Hello, and welcome to Imperfect Men, where we rank all the Founding Fathers of the United States, from Andrew Adams to George Wythe. Uh, as this is our intro episode, I think we should introduce ourselves. That's what you normally do in an introduction episode. Is it? Is it? Who are you? What's I'm the person name? speaking. Uh, no, my name is uh, <laughs> my name is Cody. I am the uh, co-host of another podcast called We Effed Up. And who are you? My name is Steven. I am co-host of a show called The Drunken Pawn on YouTube, but we do more things on Twitter anymore, but sometimes we have shows on YouTube. On occasion. It's a yeah. special, special occasion. Yep. So we're both we're both experienced in the biz. <laughs> I guess, sure. Yeah, I've been on a I've been on a couple podcasts. Been on your guys's I was on your guys's first couple on uh, We Effed Up. Yeah. I was on that first. I was on an episode of Drunken Pawn. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the home yeah. improvement game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there we go. Which, which I won, by the way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean... Because you're a cheater. I am nothing but honorable, sir. <laughs> okay. For those of you uh, kind of wondering at this point, okay, these two idiots are just blathering on about nothing, why should I keep listening? If you're aware of the subgenre of history podcasts, known as a Rexypod, basically you take a list of you know people for a certain category, like on Rex Factor, which is kind of the godfather of all these... You know, exponentially increasing number of Rexypods, ranking all of the English monarchs or Scottish monarchs, or Potifax ranks all the popes, Battle Royale ranks all the French monarchs, to us rank him, they do Roman emperors and American presidents and so on and so forth. There's plenty more out there. So I thought, like, you yeah, know, you could maybe go through and rate all of the founding fathers of the United States. Which I was like, you know what, that's a pretty good idea. I like that idea because I enjoy American history as well. I don't know nearly as much as Cody does. Not even like probably a percentage as much. <laughs> but but I do like uh, especially the uh, early parts of uh, American history. So, you know, as far as like when we first became a nation and everything. like you yeah. know, so. Well, you'll get that over and over again on this podcast because we're covering basically the same stretch exactly. of time. Yeah, and I, a lot of these guys. Several I, times. A lot of these guys I've never even heard of. Maybe you people out there have never heard of them either. I guess I should start off first by kind of defining what a founding father is. Because it's kind of an ambiguous term in a lot of ways. You can be considered a founding father just by living through this particular generation of uh, when America became a country. I decided to make it a little more uh, scientific, let's say. You signed one of four documents where you're getting an episode. Those four documents being the... The oft-forgotten Continental Association in 1774, which is the product of the First Continental Congress. The some little document called the Declaration of Independence. Never heard of that one. Yeah, I don't know what the hell is that about. The Articles of Confederation, which is our first attempt at a government in 1777, and the Constitution, which everybody knows and I would say loves, uh, from 1787. You sign one of those, you're getting an episode. I think I think most people. That's what they picture when they picture a founding father is like the guys yeah. that signed the papers. Exactly. So. Like if your name's on one of those documents, you're, you're going to get an episode. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Now that's going to cover a lot of the people that are considered founding fathers like Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, George Washington. The big ones. Jeff, yeah. The, the big, the big, the big names. Components, yeah. But then that's also going to leave some people out like Thomas Paine. He didn't sign any of the documents. So he's oh. not. But you know, he may, you know, maybe we'll do a bonus episode on him. Like some of the few others who didn't sign these yeah, documents. Yeah, Thomas Paine's a pretty interesting yeah. dude. But then you're also going to get people who literally popped up, signed it, and left. Like, what do you mean left? Like, they were there in Congress for just enough 
like just long enough to sign the document and then they didn't do anything else. They just disappeared. <laughs> Not disappeared, but they just weren't relevant in oh. that fact. I'll see, that, and that's what we'll get into on the show. I'm guessing, right? Yes. Like what they did after they signed the documents. Yes, that kind of leads right into the categories we're going to rate these people on. First one, I'm going to call Perpetual Union. It's kind of the subtitle to the Articles of Confederation. Basically, it's like how much of an impact did our subject have on the crafting of any of those four documents? Okay. So, like, I'll present that information and we'll discuss it, like, you know, out of, like, out of 10 points each for a total of out of 20. Okay. So. Okay. So, so I get my own rating. Yes. You get your rating and yeah, then we we'll add them together. together. Okay. So, uh, the second category is we the people. Uh, what was the influence and impact of that subject outside of those documents? Uh-huh. So, like, what else do they do besides this? Like, someone like George Washington obviously going to probably rate very highly well i don't know i mean see we'll see when we get to them (laughs) uh the third category articles of impeachment Uh uh-oh how scandalous how juicy was their personal life oh that should be interesting that's where you're gonna get the interesting stuff oh yeah oh yeah that's what people are gonna stick around for yep they should anyway first three categories are all gonna be out of 10 from each of us so out of 20 sure the fourth category is called the whites of their eyes what they look like like physically yeah like oh, there's wow. plenty of portraits a lot of these some, some of them don't have any portraits that we can find really but yeah um but for most of them do i uh, would like for when the ones that don't have the portraits you to draw what you think they look like and then we'll rate that. i can't draw i can't draw with crap. <laughs> that's even better since you know really you should judge people based on their appearance we'll give that one a little bit less cloud we'll each rate that at a five okay so we'll get that at 10 and then a five, uh, uh, next category is a bonus category bonus they'll get one point for each of those four documents they signed oh nice okay so so okay so and i think out, only up to four. I, think, I think out of the list there's like 140 some odd only two signed all four really Interesting. I think I, that might have been only one. <laughs> he doesn't even know. I yeah, mean, we'll, well get there. I, I need to go we'll get there. Again, but uh, yeah. yeah, so not not many signed That's all crazy. four. Okay. Very few signed three. A lot of them signed two, and obviously a lot of them just signed one. Okay. So fair enough. But then we'll, we'll total all those points up. Mm-hmm. But then the last category, it's not really a point system. It's just kind of completely subjective. Are they a founding father? Or a floundering father. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> the play on words is incredible. Oh, that's brilliant. Did you come up with that? I did. Oh, man. Of course I did. I, yeah, it makes sense. It's lame. Of course yeah. I came up with it. So, basically, is this subject worth remembering? Are they worth, you know, us talking about? Like, yeah. Did they... Because, like, it's not necessarily... Because, like, somebody could score highly, but they're just, like, so boring and just kind of bland. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. Not really worth talking about. Yeah, I and mean, somebody who scores low, they may have had an ex- brief, exciting impact here, or like a very scandalous yeah, outside like, of it. They all. may have done nothing, but they were very scandalous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know so that could be fun. Yeah. yeah, so it's like yeah, we have to ask: Are they a founding father? Or founding father? If they're a founding father, they get a nice, big, huge memorial in Washington D.C. If they're right. a floundering father, they get hung by the neck until they're dead. Oh, geez. Yeah. Is that foreshadowing? One of them get hung for something? Maybe. maybe oh, not. Maybe, dang. maybe okay. not. All right. I, and then I'll probably, we'll probably break it up every, like, 
24, 25, 26 episodes, somewhere around there. We'll kind of break this show up into bits, and we'll kind of put all of the ones who got who are who we decided are really a founding father into a little tournament, and we'll decide out of that like twenty five episode section that this person you know is the best of this batch. Oh, okay. And then at the very end of the show, once we've rate once we've rated all of them, how many are there? One hundred forty six. There's one hundred forty six dudes yep. bros if you will yep that signed these four documents yep all right yep. that's how many episodes we have then yep well how many say 146 so 147 episodes yeah well, yeah concluding this one yeah yeah <laughs> so we'll we'll and at the very end we'll put all the winners of each batch maybe some wild cards and we'll put them in like a big term at the end and decide who really is the foundingest of fathers. <laughs> the foundingest of fathers. Who I'm deserves sure the biggest monument in Washington, D.C.? Who gets to have Washington, D.C. renamed after them? What? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It might be Washington. <laughs> it very well could be. I mean, maybe. I don't know. So, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. So, we'll, we will see. So, uh, but first, as always... With history, Give me a little background. A little background on history. Yep. Okay. A little background to the period of time we're talking about. Okay. So, rewind the clock all the way back to the beginning of time. No, <laughs> that's a little too far. Yeah. On the first day, no. <laughs> um. This might be the shortest history of the hundred and fifty odd years before the revolution. <laughs> okay. Uh, I try to condense, but condense condense away, man. Yeah, it, it, it won't be. This is like I love this period of history too, so it's like it's kind of hard for me to condense. It's like ah, oh, I want to put that in, but it's like ah, oh. is it necessary? Yeah. yeah. So English colonization efforts began in the 1580s, but permanent settlement began with the establishment of the Jamestown Colony in Virginia in 1607. 1607, day of infamy. <laughs> <laughs> little, little little off there off there by about the 300 300 odd years uh life in the colony was very different or very difficult in the early years as the colonists faced hunger disease and conflict with the native americans of course but the colony also began to be successful after the uh colonists began cultivating tobacco oh, of course that tobacco yep uh this coincided with the first importation of slaves to virginia in 1619 yes uh, yeah, that same year, on July 30th, uh, the first meeting of the Virginia House of Burgesses took place. Uh, this was the first representative legislature in the colonies. Okay. Uh, in 1620, the Plymouth Colony in New England was established by the Puritans, a sect of Protestants who left England to establish and run their own society. Yeah. Uh, after initial harsh winter, the Plymouth Colony managed to survive with the assistance of the Wampanoag tribe, and Thanksgiving was born. Thanksgiving. For all its misconceptions and there's a yeah. lot, there's yeah. a ton that could be. That's probably a, somebody's done that podcast. Yes. I'm sure. Uh, the success of these initial settlements led to a marked increase in migration to North America. Over the next century, the lands settled formed the 13 colonies: Virginia, 1607; Massachusetts, 1628; New Hampshire, 1629; Carolina, just Carolina in 1629. Mm-hmm. Split into North and South in 1712. Nice. Maryland in 1632, Connecticut and Rhode Island in 1636, 
Delaware, New York, and New Jersey in 1664, Pennsylvania in 1681, and Georgia in 1732. Thirteen original colonies. Which weird thing about Georgia is only about 40 years old when the revolution starts. A little over 40 years old. Dang, yeah, that's that is weird. Yeah. yeah. It was, just, it was sparsely populated at the time. so Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the people who came to the 13 colonies came from all walks of life. Religious communities fleeing persecution, like the Puritan. Of course. Uh, merchants looking for new economic opportunities. Younger children of nobles wanting to carve out pieces of the world for themselves. Poor farmers escaping famine back home. And those simply seeking adventure in an unknown land. Because that, of course, appeals to people as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, the influx of people into the Atlantic seaboard and the continental interior eventually, inevitably led to conflict with the native peoples who already live there. Of course. Because, you know, somebody walks into your house and say, it's mine, you're going to say no. It's mine. You're going to fight back. Yeah, it's, it's like, mine, though. <laughs> yeah. I've been here for thousands of years. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, slowly but surely through armed conflict, unequal, quote-unquote, negotiation, and um, unintentional biological warfare... Unintentional biological war th- well, warfare? disease. Un- yeah, but some well, of it was intentional, I'm Some sure. of it was intentional, but... The smallpox thing, probably yeah. intentional. We don't know for sure, but probably. Yeah. Uh, the native peoples were pushed further and further westward. As the colonies began to experience economic prosperity, the need for labor began to increase. Initially, many colonists paid for their passage with indentured servitude. Yep. But that became less desirable, so the colonies began importing slaves from Africa... Mostly concentrated in the southern colonies. Yep. Migration, both willful and enforced, led to a population explosion in the colonies. By 1750, the population was estimated at 1.5 million. So, like, that's the population. Like, in 1660, it's, like, let's say 100,000. By 1760, it's increased to, like, well over 1.5 million. Just, like, over a period of a century, it just... Wow, yeah, that's you know, nuts. The graph just goes like straight up. Just from immigration and people bringing over slaves and all that stuff, yep. it just like shot up real quick. Yep. The migrants did not come solely from England. Uh, Irish Catholics, German Protestants, French Huguenots, uh, all oh, and others from all over Europe came to the colonies. It's a big, big the, the whole American mythology of a melting pot. Yeah, so it's big. always been a melting pot. Yep. Just with a lot of salt. Um, beginning in the 1690s, the British government began to exert a larger amount of control over the colonies. Because up till now, it's been like, yeah, you're ours, but like, you know, the cattle just left for their own business. As the colonies expanded, they came into conflict with the French in Quebec and the Ohio Valley, mm-hmm. and the Spanish in Florida, as well as each, as each other over competing land claims. Of course. Yeah, so. It's gonna happen. Yeah, so here, that's kind of what the colonies look like in the by like 1750 so like the red area is british this uh, orange area is spanish mm. and then the blue is french yeah i mean those three countries have been at each other's throats for centuries anyway yeah so, so it's like and you can see here like where it's shaded both colors like that's the disputed area of course so you can see like we live like right right, right there, there. yeah so, in one of the disputed areas basically yes. so you can see how conflict was going to develop uh, while the British Army had a presence in the colonies, most of the armed forces consisted of state militias, raised from ordinary citizens when, the, when an emergency presented itself. And we still have that idea today with like the National Guard. No, sure, yeah. Uh, at least in this country. Um, the increasing tensions, tensions with France over claims in the Ohio Valley 
led to a military confrontation in May 1754 in modern-day western Pennsylvania, kicking off the French and Indian War. And a particular founding father greatly contributed to that kicking off of that war. And we will discuss him much later down the road. Uh, The war pitted Great Britain, the 13 colonies, and some Native American tribes against France, its North American holdings, and a large coalition of Native American tribes. Okay. That's why it's called the French and Indian War. Right, that makes sense. The war lasted until February 1763, concluding with one of the many treaties of Paris and British victory. France lost virtually all of its North American territory, with Spain receiving Louisiana, which is basically the central part of the United States, and Britain receiving much of modern-day eastern Canada. And you can see now, like you see compared to that map, now, that's all Spanish, and this is all British. So wow. the French are just gone off the continent, basically. That's crazy. Yeah, they basically, all, all they have left is, like, some scattered islands. I always had the the perception that we bought Louisiana from the French. Uh, that would be due to stuff later on. Okay. We might discuss right. that during, like, whenever Jefferson's episode pops no. up. We might discuss that then. Fair so. enough. So that happened when he was president. Um... Britain emerged, uh, because the French and Indian War is kind of like a subset of a larger European conflict called the Seven Years' War, and they emerged from that deeply in debt and sought ways to increase revenue and decrease expenditure. Mm. In October 1763, King George III issued the Proclamation of 1763, creatively named, (laughs) which forbade colonial settlement west of the Appalachian Mountains, wanting to avoid further conflicts with Native Americans. And I'll show you that map again. Colonial settlers, they could not settle west of that green line. Really? All of this was set up to be like an Indian reserve. Really? So, yeah, so it's like... So the king set yes. up an Indian, like a Native American reserve. Yeah, it's like, I mean, there'd still be like a British presence there, you know, just to, you know, keep an eye on things, but... Interesting. Yeah, and then like this, like the Ohio Valley was made part of Quebec. <laughs> Okay. Like if if history had been different, you it, and I could be speaking French. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, but yeah. So like, uh, I mean, there were other reasons for it, but it's just like, okay, let's just avoid conflict with Native Americans, so we don't have to keep an army there. Right. Yeah. So makes sense. I mean, they were they were yeah. strong. They were all the tribes, you know, were yeah, really strong. Especially the warriors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially like yeah, like Iroquois Confederacy. So you have a large coalition of tribes who could. Well, there you go. Be yeah. a threat. A big threat. Yeah. yeah so. Um, and they knew the land, so, like, yeah, that's... Exactly. Um, this proclamation angered many in the colonies because they wanted to move westward. They wanted to exploit those lands. Expand. And a lot of the more wealthy uh, uh, colonists engaged in land speculation. Like, they would buy a piece of land, almost like a pre-stock market type kind of, kind of oh, really? early yeah, yeah. stock market type okay, of thing. Yeah, it's like, you buy a piece of land... be like... That might make me some money here yeah, like, later so, on. So they might find gold on it or oh, yeah. something. Or, or jewels. You know, or... I might be able to sell it later on for you know good farmland or whatever. Like yeah, George right. Washington is engaged in this. Um, like a lot of the wealthier founding fathers. I did. mean, it does make sense for you know them to be like, how do I make money here? Because that's, mm. I mean, it's always way, the way it's been. You yeah. know? Like, people are always like, how do I make more money? Well, I'm, I'm going to go to a different place where nothing's claimed and claim it. Yeah. So I can make more money off of that thing. Forget the fact that it's already held by those native people. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Forget them. We, yeah. we could take them over. No, yeah. no problem. Uh, Britain also began to introduce measures to bring in more income from the 13 colonies. 
These included stricter enforcement of the Molasses Act, yeah. which greatly affected New England rum exports because of course, yeah, it's made with it's molasses. So molasses, it's like you yeah. know that's gonna anger the rum makers. <laughs> right, of course. Uh, and they implemented more taxes, most significantly through the Sugar Act in 1764, which tax sugar. Sure. And the Stamp Act in 1765. Taxing those stamps. Well, it wasn't just that. Like, any official documents, um, anything, like any, like, legal paperwork had to have this specific stamp on it, and you had to pay a tax on it. Really? So, yeah. basically, almost like a notary thing. You know, like, kind of, like, yeah. a, like a stamp. Like, this has a stamp. You paid the tax for it. Kind yes. of thing. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. Uh, the latter incensed the colonies enough that they sent representatives to meet and organize a response. This body, called the Stamp Act Congress, was the first unified response to direct British imposition. Okay. So it was like the first time the colonies really get together and be like, how, how should we respond to this collectively? Yeah, they're like, they're like yeah. literally taxing everything we stamp like now. Basically so. anything on paper. Yeah, that's eh, it's getting yeah. a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and up to this point, like, and really even after this, all these colonies are at each other's throats. Because, again, they have competing land claims out west. Sure, yeah. Their border, I mean, this is not a period when borders were really mapped well to, like, the, like a fine degree. Sure. Yeah, exactly, I mean, yeah. People were just like, that's my tree. And he's like, well, that's my tree. You want to fight about it? Kind yeah. of thing, yeah. So, a lot of disputes with that. So, it's like, they don't really get along too well. But this is the first time they're like... What's our differences? Let's let's kind of talk about this. Yeah, he's starting to tax us a yeah. lot over here. Let's figure this out. Uh, the Stamp Act would be repealed the following year, but Parliament asserted its right to legislate for the colonies through the Declaratory Act. Basically just saying, all right, we'll repeal this, but we can still do whatever we want. Yeah, we're still, you know, yeah, yeah We're still the boss. Yeah, we're still Parliament, so yeah. we're going to do what we want. A series of measures to further government control called the Townsend Acts were enacted between June 1767 and July 1768. Uh, tensions remained high and worsened greatly after the Boston Massacre in March 1770. Yeah, that's an interesting. Would. That's a very interesting. Uh, we'll probably thing talk about to, it during John Adams' episode, of course, because he was a lawyer for them. Yep. For the, a the fin- yeah, a financial crisis in Britain led Parliament to pass the Tea Act in 1773, which was met with protests in the colonies, and led to the Boston. Tea Party. No. Yeah. <laughs> so Another like, interesting yeah. time. And you would have tax collectors get beaten, harassed. Tarred and feathered. Tarred and feathered, as I'm showing you oh, in this yeah, image right now. What is he pouring in his mouth there? Tea. Oh, that's tea? Yeah. He's like, take your tea. Drink that tea. Yeah. And he's like, but I'm covered in feathers <laughs> and tar. I can't yeah. drink the tea. Yeah, I'm a bird now. I don't know <laughs> if I should drink tea. Um. Yeah, Parliament responded with the Intolerable Acts in 1774, a series of punitive measures designed to to strangle defiance in the colonies. Strangle defiance. Yeah, as Therese and I talked about in a recent episode of We Have Up, the Brits are great at naming their laws. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they were actually called the Intolerable Acts, but like, like their official name, but like, like that's what they go by. Yeah, sure. So, um... Uh, in the years since the implementation of the new taxing laws, so going back a little bit, mm-hmm. um, what are called committees of correspondence had developed in the colonies, mostly in New England. Uh, these committees were set up to keep residents aware of British activities and discussing possible responses. Like, you know, mm-hmm. hey, hey, I, hey, hey uh, Joe, I saw uh, this 
calling the British soldiers. They're heading over to this guy's farm. Okay. You know, maybe be aware of it or you know, what should we do about this? Were thing? they like sending letters to each other? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Almost like um, like a watchdog service kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like neighborhood watch. Yeah. Colonial watch. <laughs> Colonial neighborhood watch. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, some of the participants in these committees formed the Sons of Liberty. Uh-oh. Who rallied colonists under the banner of no taxation without representation. Yeah, that old chestnut. Yep. A new meeting of colonial representatives was called to discuss next steps. The first Continental Congress met in September 1774. The result of this Congress was the very first of our documents, the Continental Association, which called for a trade boycott on British merchants. Okay. Uh, And here is a surviving uh, copy of the association it's missing a little bit there yeah a little bit missing there but i think it's just a reprinting but like yeah so like this is calls for a trade boycott on british goods which oh yeah you know this is the era of mercantilism on the bottom there is that the people that yeah. signed it yeah that's our boys yeah like, like i said this isn't the actual like this is like a later reprinting like a newspaper I'm sure yeah you can tell by the yeah the... yeah but like this is an era of mercantilism so like the only Places that uh, the colonies are allowed to trade with is Britain. Britain also receives a lot from the colonies, uh, about 40%, it's estimated, because they didn't really track this at the time. 40% of the GDP of the entire British Empire was from the the colonies. That makes sense. I mean, so that's a large portion. It's a big, we're a big country. Like, we have a lot of resources here. That makes complete sense, yeah. The Continental Association was successful as colonial trade with Britain dropped by 97% in the years 1774 to 75. Jimmy Christmas. So it, it like plummeted. In February 1775, Parliament declared Massachusetts to be in a state of rebellion. <laughs> you guys are rebelling. Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> led to a scramble for munitions across the colonies. It was like, oh, we need to get our guns. Okay. An attempt to seize munitions by British troops in April 1775 led to the battles of Lexington and Concord, and the American Revolutionary War began. Oh, dang. A second Continental Congress formed in May 1775, created the Continental Army, and placed George Washington in command. Yep. He was, you know, six foot tall. And I am about to breeze through the Revolutionary War quicker than anybody ever has before, I think. Although the first year of the war had a number of setbacks... In that half sentence alone, books have been written. (laughs) Congress pushed forward on the independence discussion. After much debate, Congress approved the second of our documents, the Declaration of Independence in July 1776. There's some more of our boys. Yep. As the war expanded into the middle and southern colonies, and as American envoys spread out across Europe in search of foreign aid, because we're poor and we need help. Yeah. Congress began to please. We have all we have is this worthless colonial currency. It doesn't. Nobody takes it. (laughs) Yeah, nobody wants it. Congress began debating the structure of what their new country's government would look like because, at this point, we're a new country and we're just running the government like ad hoc through the Continental Congress. It's like there's no specific structure to anything. Yeah, we need we need a framework to govern with. Sure, it's still new. Yeah. The result was the third of our documents, the Articles of Confederation, approved in November 1777, 
and, te- and sent to the states for approval. Some more of our good time boys. Yeah. The last of them, Maryland, approved it in February 1781. So it sat there for a little while. A little bit. Well, there's there's the declaration, of course. Oh, yeah. There's all the little signatures yep. down at the bottom. Oh, man. We should we should talk about their signatures maybe a little bit, too. Maybe, maybe, yeah. yeah. Might, that might be something we can talk about in a shorter episode. Uh, and there's the articles. It's very faded. It is. <laughs> it is. Because uh, they weren't as relevant, so people didn't take care of it as much. <laughs> the articles, I, I think, kind of they kind of give short shrift in American history, but maybe we can talk about that at some other point. Um, the war turned in America's favor with French assistance, concluding with another Treaty of Paris, a different one from earlier, sure. in September 1783. The United States gained control of all lands east of the Mississippi River, south of the Great Lakes, and the St. Lawrence River. So basically just 13 colonies, the South, and the Midwest. Fair enough. Over the following years, several deficiencies in the Articles of Confederation became apparent. Uh, Like, it required unanimous consent from all, like, basically, it wasn't like, uh, imagine if the House of Representatives voted by state. Okay, yeah. So like... All of California's 52 representatives got got together and said, California is going to vote on this thing. Okay. Delaware's one representative thought to himself, and like, all right, Delaware is going to vote on this thing. Okay. And they have equal vote. Okay, yeah. You see where there's a problem. And a lot of bills had to be unanimous. Okay. Yeah. So, like, and the federal government had to ask the states for money. It wasn't just like, we have taxes. Just it just was so like the, there was no strong central government, so it's sure. like they were having problems. Oh yeah, yeah. After Shays Rebellion in 1786 and 87, many prominent leaders across the country agreed that a stronger government was needed. Hmm. In May 1787, the Constitutional Convention began in Philadelphia, ostensibly to amend the Articles. This premise was scrapped in favor of just writing a new constitution. Oh yeah. After months of debate, our fourth document, the Constitution, was signed and presented to the states in September 1787. And with the ratification by New Hampshire in June 1788, the Constitution went into effect in March 1789. Nice. And that is our background. That's American history. Done. Yep. That's all of it. (laughs) Nothing ever happened to America ever again. That's all we need to know. Yeah. That's all we need. So that's uh, yeah, folks. That that gives you a little bit of background, on, like you know the the era we're going to be talking about. We're, of course, we'll probably end up talking about stuff after that because a lot of these guys live until you know eighteen tens, twenties. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll be talking about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's basically the the show in a nutshell. It, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. I didn't want to go into too much detail in like the documents themselves or the war. Yeah. Because we'll we'll talk about that. Oh, and, yeah some of these episodes and if we have like a shorter episode because like i said some of these guys are just gonna pop up and leave yeah it won't be too long enough so maybe we can talk about like like elaborate on like hey you know why do they want this thing in the declaration like why do they want this thing in the articles why yeah. like what was the thinking behind this type of thing um or we can talk about like you know what's going on in the revolution you know what yeah at the time of the guy yeah. so that guy's life yeah so yeah so that's um that's it? the background of it. Uh, sources I used, uh, they'll be in the show notes. Um, unlike my other show, we have to up, I'm not going to list out every single one individually. <laughs> because
because a lot of the sources I'm using for this show are going to be the same thing. I don't think you guys want to hear the same books solicited over and over and over again. I, don't know. I mean, these might be different listeners. You yeah, know? Well, different show. Yeah, well, maybe, but like I said, they'll be on the show notes. So, but yeah, until the uh, next time will be the first. The first boy. First boy. Who's our first boy? Andrew Adams. Andrew Adams. Andrew Adams. Any relation to John or Samuel? We'll have to find out. Okay. But, uh, right. yeah, we're going to go through these alphabetical order by last name, first name. Okay. So, cool. first up is the, the AA, Andrew Adams. Andrew Adams. Adams. Okay. The A-bomb, if you will. <laughs> I, I'm sure everyone back then called him that. <laughs> I'm sure that was his nickname. So. Yeah. Until next time. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check out my uh, other project, The Drunken Pawn. We're on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to check out my other project, We Effed Up. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and all the podcast players you found this on. And also be sure to follow our podcast on Twitter, at Pod. All right, we'll see you guys next time on Imperfect Men.